Today's episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at The Athletic. My name is Nick Kosmider. I am your host, and I cover the Nuggets for us at The Athletic. I am joined by the intrepid beat reporter for the Denver Post, who also covers the Nuggets, Mike Singer, uh, from the lobby of the Sheraton Hotel in Atlanta. Um, It's like one in the morning, and... um, you know, we're just here to get some jokes off, right, Mike? Oh, my gosh. This podcast is a long time coming. Nick and I have joked about doing a podcast for a minute. And finally, the uh, we were, we were, just so you guys know, we were saving it for Nikola Jokic's career-high 47-point night. That's the reason why we were just holding out for uh, for the audience. Yeah, no, no doubt. This would this would obviously be the, the time um, we knew he was going to have this performance tonight when we decided to do this podcast. And uh, that's what happened. Nicole Jokic scored 47 points tonight uh, for a Nuggets team that really needed a win, coming off an embarrassing loss on Saturday to the Wizards. They beat the Hawks 123-115. to 115. Um, So, Mike, we'll get into all kinds of stuff, but like that that's obviously the first thing we got to talk about. Um, what was your biggest takeaway tonight watching Jokic do his thing? All right, first of all, you just said we knew coming into this that Nicole Jokic was going to score 47 points. Inaccurate. I had no idea. The day started with uh, Nuggets coach Michael Malone uh, taking uh, offense with any sort of criticism thrown Nikola Jokic's way. Uh, he came to his ardent defense uh, when I suggested, you know, Nikola Jokic has only recorded four assists in his last two games. And Michael Malone said, essentially, I don't give a shit what Nikola Jokic has done. He is not our problem right now. We are going into this game. The last six games, we have the 29th ranked defense. Nikola Jokic is not our problem. If you think Nikola Jokic is our problem, then essentially I got a problem with you, is what Malone more or less told us. So by no means was this a game where Jokic was going to feast. In their November loss against the Hawks, Nikola Jokic had 20 points and was mired in a shooting funk and was just one of eight from the three-point line. So by no means was this the game where he was going to solve all the Nuggets' issues. Lo and behold, he comes out. How many did he have in the first quarter? 18? 18 points in the first quarter. Hit three threes in the first quarter alone. Uh, 27 in the first half. And the thing that I I know you said, you know, right off the jump we'd need to address Nikola Jokic just 47 points. The thing that stood out to me is when you're in the postgame locker room, how nonchalant he was about everything. Uh, Nikola Jokic was asked, uh, were you bummed that you didn't flirt with 50 points, that you didn't get to 50 points? And he goes, nah, not even a little bit. Like, And it wasn't 
like a, a BS, you know, tongue in cheek type answer. The dude doesn't care. He does not care. He said he's happy that they got the win more so than he had this uh, career night. And that's it, that is just the very essence of who he is, which is why he's so unique. I mean, it is against human nature to not care when you do the best you've ever done in your respective field. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it does stand in stark contrast to um, that there was going to be no I'm trying to get a three point shot off at the buzzer in order to get my 50. Who are you referencing? <laughs> I think we all know who I'm referencing here. Say its no, name. So, so Jamal Murray last year obviously had 48 against Boston. Um, that was a game where he puts up a shot with, with the game in hand. Um, he says, I'm trying to get 50. What do you, what do you want he me to say? He copped to it. I appreciate the candor. Yeah. But, I mean, let's be honest. Nikola Jokic is not leaning into his 47-point night. If I write a great story, if you write a great story, both of us are tweeting the hell out of that story, and we are going to promote ourselves. This is not who Nikola Jokic is, uh, and the fact that it came after one of their worst losses of the season, if not their worst loss, is so important. The fact that he was able to lift this team up on a night when Gary Harris was off, when Paul Millsap was off, when Jamal Murray did not have his rhythm in the first half, and Nikola Jokic sort of accepted the burden and said, I got this, guys. I have a bad match, or I have a fantastic matchup uh, from the Hawks' perspective. I'm going to take on Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn's not respecting my three point shot. I'm going to take on Bruno Fernando, and I'm going to give him the business. And and then I'm going to shrug my shoulders like I don't really care that I just dropped 47 on their heads. Yeah, and the thing about Nikola Jokic is that I think some of the stuff that gets lost in like his, you know, kind of his charming, you know, engaging personality, his like kind of lightheartedness is the fact that this dude is, like, really, really competitive. He's monstrously competitive. And there was nobody – we were both in that locker room in Washington. Um, there was nobody that was more disappointed this side of Michael Malone than, than Nikola Jokic. Um, and he's not necessarily a guy he, – he's not, he's not going to say anything inflammatory. He's not, he's not going to give you some sort of buzz quote. You know, Michael Malone sort of took care of that – Used the word embarrassing four different times to describe that loss. Nicole Jokic, though, you could just see the way he wore it. He left the bench with with a couple minutes left in that game because he was so frustrated. And again, he's, here's a guy who is he's been playing his tail off. You know, ever since that slow start, the first six weeks of the season, um, you know, he's flipped that. He's locked in right now. He's engaged, and and you, I think you just saw that kind of fully coming to fruition. Not only the fact that he's he's playing as well as he has, and so that was starting to, to rise to kind of a you know, a boiling point, but also his his sort of realization tonight that he had to be the one that set the tone of urgency because that's what Denver has lacked during this three and three stretch. They've lacked urgency for a team that is trying to show that it belongs in this playoff picture um, as an actual contender. You have to have more urgency than what they've shown, especially on Saturday night. And, and you know, look, the dude's an MVP candidate, man. Like he he he's far so far past this early season narrative. Um, you know, I said it last week when I did this pod with TJ McBride that I, I think he's going to be the, the all NBA team all first team, all NBA center. Once again, he's obviously going to be an all-star. Um, and, and tonight was just, you know, it was just vintage. Um, speaking to his competitive competitiveness, he did not want to talk to the media uh, on Saturday night after the Washington loss. He did it begrudgingly. He answered our questions respectfully, but he wanted no part of that. He, he knew it was a bad loss. He knew he had to wear it as sort of the face and the leader of the team. That was on his shoulders. Um, tonight, 
obviously, the 18 points in the first quarter, the 27 points in the first half, uh, if you needed a statistical tell, that's it. But I noticed early in the game how hard he was running the floor. Yeah. And it's it's the kind of thing that you 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 need the context to, to know that it's significant. Sure, a, a big guy's running the floor, cool. I've seen him sort of go through the motions before, and I've seen him charge up and down the court. And when he's charging up and down the court, that means he's essentially setting up the offense and letting and providing a target for an early offense for, for Jamal Murray to initiate the offense quickly, to get into it, to, to set some high screens and just to go. And he he is setting the tone there. And so uh, M- Michael Mullen's postgame press conference, we're, wrap, we're wrapping up and, and I, I decide I need to ask him something about Nikola Jokic. And I wanted to ask him about the tone that you were just alluding to, the tone that he set. And he used a phrase that neither I've never heard, I don't think you've ever heard him him call Nikola Jokic. And he said that Nikola Jokic was or is our thermostat, that he sets the tone and the temperature of our team. And it's funny, you know the the phrase temperature. Last year, um, when we were uh, right at the start of the season, we were asking – uh, Nicole, or Michael Malone about how Nikola Jokic yeah, sets so low, the tone, lowers the temperature, sets the, the tone in the locker room with his jokes. I specifically remember asking him about his humor, and he goes, "Yeah, he lowers the temperature in the locker room." That was the quote that Malone used: "Is he lowers the temperature?" So the idea that Nikola Jokic can dictate where this team is: are they frenetic? Are they urgent? Are they calm? Are they settled? Are they engaged? Are they able to operate at? optimal capacity um he dictates it and so when he's their thermostat malone goes when he's locked in our practices are better our shoot arounds are better we are more productive when he's engaged and so again i know it's a small thing but when i see him running up and down the court as hard as he was that that tells me that you know they're at what's what's optimal temperature 97.5 do we do we think that nikola Jokic is a um keep my house, keep the thermostat up kind of guy or a keep keep it low kind of guy? Uh, he's 100% keep it low kind of guy so that he can rock all of his tech fleeces. There's no <laughs> question. That's a silly question. Yeah, he, he's, like, he's like, you know. You Monday remember? green, Tuesday purple. Yeah, you remember when you would watch, um, you watched Doug as a kid, right? Of course. Of course. Who do you think I am? Even? <laughs> so you walk in, he walks into his closet and here's like a million a million pair or a million sets of his same outfit that he wears every single day. That's what Nikola Jokic's closet looked like. He's got a, you know, he makes $25 million a year, but he's got these, you know, what, what, a tech fleece sweatsuit, I think from Nike costs like probably um, $75 each top bottom. So you're talking about 150 bucks and he's probably got like a dozen of them, maybe two dozen of them. Yeah. Just in a row. A hundred percent. And maybe like a patty mayonnaise poster <laughs> on his wall. <laughs> a patty mayonnaise. Golly, that's good. No, I don't think Nikola Jokic is old enough nor cares about Doug Funny. I'm, but he watches uh, like he I've heard him talk cartoons. about cartoons. Yeah, all right. But like American cartoons, or does he have his like Serbian cartoons? <sighs> that's gonna be one of our big follow ups. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that might be a Sunday takeout at the Denver Post. <laughs> so be on the lookout for Damn. that. He called dibs on it. Um, yeah. So so anyway, like that's sort of that that's sort of tonight. Like he. You know, and the other cool part for him was that he did it in just about every way. Um, the, the play that I thought was pretty cool was so he, he here's a guy who um, the Hawks last time they played and beat Denver in in November when when Trey Young had 42 points, uh, Hawks won 125 121. Nikola Jokic was just one of eight from three point range that night, and that was after the Hawks just sort of sat in the paint 
gave him open three-pointers all night long um, and dared him to shoot. Uh, Michael Malone said, yeah, they dared him They dared him to 47 points tonight. Uh, and he was saying, look, it was a good strategy. It worked the last time. But he, he just he stepped up so much more confidently. But there was this play in the first quarter. He had already scored seven points. It was about midway through the first quarter. He already had seven points. He had gotten inside a couple times and scored. He had hit one of what became four three-pointers. Um, and then he catches the ball on, on, the, on the perimeter. And Alex Lan is, is doing what he had done before. He kind of drops back a few feet and is, 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 is saying, go ahead, shoot that three-pointer. Um, Jokic, instead of doing that, he's like, you know what? Nah, I'm just going to go body you. And he, he goes inside. He, he bangs on Alex Lan a little bit and then draws a foul. Um, you know, he, he ended up having 16 free throws tonight. Um, that, that was, in my mind, I was like, okay, th- he's in a different kind of zone of just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes tonight. Like, we cannot lose another game on the on this road trip. You know, maybe probably the last what you would call super winnable game that they have because they played Dallas on Wednesday night in Dallas. Um, so that that to me was just like, it was like, okay, he's, he's on a different level right now. It's just so easy for him. So he, he hits – how many three-pointers did he hit in the first half? Was it all – was it three of four? So he had three three-pointers in the first quarter alone. Okay. Three um, three-pointers in the first quarter. So to me what that does is it, it it predicates your whole game. It sets up what is going to happen. And and it's essentially a respect thing, right? When Alex Lynn is standing six, seven feet off the three-point line and saying, go for it, big boy. Yeah. Take your shot. Do what you can for the three-point line. And Nicola is is game. Nicola is no longer in the three point shooting funk that he was. He was at around twenty one, twenty two percent for the first five six weeks of the season. I, I think he's up to. Uh, I, I haven't he checked. Was, it he out. was at thirty, just under thirty one percent going into tonight, um, which was up from the low twenties was where he was through a good part of the, the early part of the season. So he's over the last month or so, he's been shooting at a pretty darn close to a forty percent clip. Right. So basically what happens is it's a respect thing, and, and Alex Lynn dares him, and um, Nicola makes good on that dare, and he, he bangs home a couple three point, or a few three-pointers in the first half. And then what happens is in the second half, they tried to run him off the three-point line, and okay, you're finally going to commit to guarding the three-point line because, lo and behold, he's not a bad three-point shooter, and the dude just goes down low, and then he'll just lower his shoulder, and... I mean, how many baskets did he have where he puts his shoulder down, he, he does a little lefty hook, or he'll, he'll, he'll flip it over his right shoulder, or he'll collect an offensive rebound, like little tip stuff in and around the basket. And he built that softness because of his uh, initial three-point shooting in the first half. He built, he sort of, it was sort of a recipe for this 47-point game. And like I said, all the circumstances were there. No one else was really cooking aside from Will Barton, who we didn't even talk about, had a hell of a game. But, like, it, the, the opportunity presented itself. Jamal Murray was selfless tonight. I think he had seven or eight assists. Um, so it, it wasn't as if Nikola Jokic was hunting these. These just fell into his lap, coupled with the fact that Atlanta's front court is not good. And, and John Collins is sort of dealing with whoever the power forward was at, at the moment, be it Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant. And so... Nikola Jokic is just stronger uh, than either Alex Len or um, well, he's stronger or, than almost everyone or, or Bruno Fernando. And it's a question I've had actually about uh, interestingly Joel Embiid. Is Joel Embiid bailing out teams when Joel Embiid takes three pointers? 
And I never know this about Nikola Jokic. Is he bailing teams out because he's so deadly when he gets inside? Is he doing them a favor or is he making life See, easier I, for himself? I, I don't think he's bailing people out because if, if he were to if he were to just only have that as part of his diet, um, what what you're not getting is is the spacing. What you're not getting is the the cutting that allows him to be so dangerous as a multifaceted offensive player. Um, if he's only living down in the post, I think that takes away some of it. And you have to be able to shoot the shot because, you know, even if, if, if you are a guy, if he's not going to be able to shoot that outside shot, he's not even going to be as effective as a passer on the perimeter because then you're saying, um, okay, well, he's not going to shoot it, so let's just so sit back clog and clog it. these lanes. Right. So I, that's why I think it's so important for him specifically um, it's t- to be that guy. You know that the Sixers haven't even have trouble because you know their their second best player doesn't shoot you know three pointers uh, at all, and and so that that makes it more of a trouble troublesome thing. I think that's also why Jamal Murray needs to shoot more three pointers. Um, that would help them even more. Uh, but okay, so I mean I, I think we've kind of hit that uh, at every angle. Let's as we kind of move toward the end of this tonight. I, I think um, you know I, I think that we got to look at this sort of big picture. A road trip that they're on right now and, and just sort of t- t- kind of a check mark of where they are in this season you know at 20 25 and 11 now we're only a couple games away from the midway point of the year I mean so we more or less know what this team what this team is um what what to you I guess is it gives you gives you thought that yes this team can contend this team can buy for a western conference finals trip and what makes you say uh, they're they're going to be in danger of of maybe having a really hard first round this year. Um, <clears throat> the biggest ceiling that they have, um, I, I know Nick and I joke all the time that this guy's in the algorithm. Uh, the biggest addition to their team at the trade deadline could just be giving and granting Michael Porter Jr. more minutes. He is the type of player who can elevate uh, a team uh, and. and supplement a second unit with a scoring boost of 20 plus points. And um, there is no question a week ago, there was a question, is he going to be a part of the rotation come April, May, and June? Zero question. You and I have had conversations with people in the Nuggets organization. I am very confident that he is entrenched in the rotation at this point. Um, I don't know how many points he had tonight, but I, uh, we, we saw him come back in after his first shift. He played uh, late in the first half. Did he come in again in the second half? Or, uh, yeah, he did. He did. So he, he played tonight. Um, looking at this now. Yeah, he, he, he got 20 minutes tonight. 20 minutes. Um, had just four points, but had three rebounds. Uh, had two assists. And I th- he, he was a plus 17 tonight. I, I, thought he was, I thought he was actually pretty good. He showed how he could affect the game, even if he's not scoring a lot. Not only that, he had a hustle play uh, that saved the ball in the first half. He affected, I think he had one or two blocks, and if not blocks, then sh- uh, the, then sort of yeah, slots he, he had, that altered shots. He at had the a rim. block on a really good you know, backside rotation. So he is a guy that is sort of an unknown commodity. Like, I don't even think Malone knows what he's going to get from day in, day out, and that's why you just sort of need to play him like blind like no blinders on no no white gloves on just let him go and see what happens um he you know he's the kind of guy where you live with the fact that maybe you lose one or two more games uh and and that ultimately hurts your seating but you gain confidence in the fact that you can play this kid who is a, a potential game changer for you he is 
a, a third tier guy uh, within within their offensive environment right now who can just raise and do things that no one else can. I mean, he had one basket. They called a play for him. They he, he came off a curl, had a, had a really easy bucket early in the game, and you're like, man, this is easy. Yeah. He's six foot ten, can create space. So he's a guy who. I mean, he changes their he changes the conversation around the Nuggets. Um, the thing that I think we're really going to end up seeing, uh, and I've sort of been thinking about it over the last six or seven games, as they've been mired in a bad defensive stretch and their offense has been wavering. Um, I think so much is predicated on Jamal Murray uh, that he is really going to be the one to dictate how far they go, and I say that delicately, carefully, and aware, you know, that Nikola Jokic is their best player. Nikola Jokic sets the tone. We've addressed all that. But as good as Nikola Jokic is right now, he, he's they're fine. If this is what level he's going to be at in the postseason, and it may, he may even bring it to a higher level, as we saw last year. But if this is where he's at last year, that's good enough. They need Jamal Murray to connect on those shots that Nikola Jokic sets him up for. They need Jamal Murray to hit those three-pointers that you were just alluding to. They need him to get to the free-throw line more. They need him to be the dynamic scorer that they expect him to be, obviously, with that contract. Uh, I get the inconsistencies. Um, He's still just 22 years old. He had 39 points in their big loss, but I need to see a more selfless uh, Jamal Murray it's so difficult. Do I want him to be more selfless or do I want him to score more efficiently? That And that's sort of the conundrum with him. But you just want to see more consistency of whatever it is. Well, yeah, even last year in the playoffs, um, you know, he he would he vacillated between some truly like stargazing type performances where he, he was um, just electric. And, you know, I thought in a lot of big moments, um, you know, <laughs> you could argue – that they don't they don't get out of the first round without his performance in game two because if they fall down 0-2, they're not going to go to San Antonio and win. Right. Um, there's also some games where um, you know it turns around in game three and, and plays poorly enough that you know that that's a reason you lose. Game seven against Portland, game four seven of eighteen. Against, yeah, so I mean that, that you had that vacillation. He's certainly, I mean that's the thing. He's certainly capable. He's more than capable. Um, it, it really is a matter. It's a matter of consistency. It's also a matter of. Um, you know, kind of finding the the proper give and take between him and Jokic, and um, you know that's why I thought like when 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 Michael Porter Jr. had his breakout game in Indiana, scored twenty five points. What what I thought was so cool about that game from a Nuggets perspective was he had the twenty five on the same night that Murray and Jokic each had twenty two points. So it was just like if they can find if they can strike that balance where they're they're all contributing to it, they can all get involved. Um, that, that would be, that would be a special thing because I look, I'm of the mind that Michael Porter Jr. While he will get a playoff role, while he, well, he will be part of that for him. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near, um, in this year's playoffs, like where he's going to be as a player. I mean, of course he's a rookie. Like, so, so it, it would be, I think unfair to expect that. But I, so as much as he is their ceiling going forward, um, and he represents kind of the, the zenith of what this iteration of the Nuggets could achieve. I, I think that he also is going to have to go through his own. Like the rest, of, the rest of these guys have gone through the playoff thing before. Here, here's a rookie who is going to never have gone gone through that. So I, I, I don't know how much – I know he's going to be a part of it, and I know he, he's going to be a guy who can create some mismatches and who could help you in a playoff series – 
but I'd be re- reluctant to say he's going to be um, a major part of a major part of it. Now, even if he's a guy that can give you a little bit of a changeup, can solve a matchup problem or, or create a matchup problem that maybe you didn't have last year, um, that could be a big boost. But um, th- they're not going to get anywhere near where they think they need to get if, if they don't start playing better defense. Let me, let me, and I don't know if you want to talk about the defense or not, but let me give you... I think that'd probably be a whole different rabbit hole we have to go down. Right. Um, two, two points. First of all, uh, the guy who we haven't, we barely addressed, it's 29th birthday tonight, Will Barton. Last year, well-documented, he gets booed at home, ends up losing his starting spot in the postseason. If Will Barton is anything comparable to what he's done this regular season, come playoff time, that it that is a third, you know, a third piece. Like Will has been unbelievable this season, a season high twenty eight points tonight. Like an efficiently, he has he also had a team high nine rebounds tonight. Like Barton hits the glass. And apparently, uh, this is what Nicola said post game. He goes, uh, "Will Will apparently said I'm not going to let anyone ruin my birthday." Yeah, he said nobody's going to beat me on my birthday. No one's going to beat me on my birthday. And God, if you guys could have seen what Will Barton was wearing for his <laughs> birthday drip fit, all of it, like the furry Gucci slides, man. Yeah, damn, he he's the best. Will just you know, Will leans into his birthday, and good for him. Again, if he plays like he has throughout the first, what are we, almost halfway through the season, like he is a vital, vital piece. Yeah. Who is, and let's, I'm going to let him off the hook. He was coming back from injury last year. If he is healthy and viable, then like they're in great, great position to create mismatches uh, come, come this postseason. Um, and then one, the one more point I wanted to make on Murray is if – I was thinking about what is his ideal line. Now, are we happy with 39 points that he had against Washington the other night? Sure. It's a it's a hell of a night. I think the best Murray is 18 to 20 points and five or six assists. Because the five or six assists, that indicates to me that everyone's involved. That indicates to me that Murray is cognizant that he needs to get everyone involved and that he's not sort of j- just coming down and taking ownership of an offensive possession. Because I think that that has a, a tangible effect on the rest of the offense. I think it affects Jokic. I think it affects Gary Harris when he's sort of spreading the floor. You know, Millsap sort of operates in isolation. But Jamal Murray is at his best when he is dishing and then benefiting from other people's from the attention that other people draw, and then knocking down those those three pointers, and then working in tandem with Nikola Jokic. If he has six, seven assists. That is a dangerous Jamal Murray. That's that's really what I think they need to work towards in terms of optimal uh, Nuggets efficiency. Yeah, and that's that's why tonight I thought he, even though he you know he had fourteen points, uh, I'm sorry, he had sixteen points, but also had the eight assists. He he was um, you know he overcame. He's a guy that has the capability too of if his shots not falling because he does. He he goes through some ups and downs in shooting. Uh, he's not shooting particularly well this year, especially from the three point range. Uh, but if he can be a guy that gets other dudes involved, like he did with the eight assists tonight, I I, I would agree with you. He he's got to be multifaceted. Um, look, we we could go all night, Mike. Um, I'm glad we finally did this. We'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely do it again. You guys go ahead and check out Mike at DenverPost.com/slash/nuggets. You can find all his work there, as well as um, you know the Nuggets Inc. podcast that uh, that they they do a good job running over there. 
Um, as for us, that we're, we're back from the holidays now, so this is a two-episode week. This, this episode right now, uh, you're listening to free on iTunes, uh, Apple, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but we have bonus episodes for subscribers only, and we'll have another one of those from Dallas uh, in a couple days. So go to theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline. You can get 40% off an annual subscription. Uh, so keep it locked into that feed, and we'll have podcasts coming. Uh, until next time, thanks for stopping by. Thank you.